Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're doing Q&A Friday. Millennial 
Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. There are always so many great questions that you guys send in, and I really want to encourage you that if you have a question, head over to yourmillennialmoney.com. In the contact section, you can go ahead and fill out your question that you have for me for the podcast, and I'm happy to get uh, to your question. I love hearing your questions, um, so don't ever think that, oh my gosh, like my question is going to be dumb. She's going to think my question's stupid. No, none of that, right? There are no dumb questions. Um, I'm serious about that, right? Every question is a good question because, you know, we, there's so many different topics about personal finance that we can talk about. And so it actually helps me too, like really kind of dial in about the different subjects that you want to hear about. So I'm not just kind of like, you know, picking things out of um, thin air. So I have four questions today. Um, Again, there were so many questions, but I thought these were kind of the best to tackle. I'm going to try and do Q&A Friday at least once a month. So the more questions I get, um, you know, the more often I will do this, but at least it's at least going to be once a month. All right. So this first question comes from Killian. And he says, hi, to keep it short and simple, I received a pat on my back at my job this year for my first year's performance in the form of a long-term incentive plan. As a 23-year-old man, how do I make sure to make the most of this executive stock share compensation? Thanks. Killian, that's awesome. You're killing it. Not to uh, do a pun with your name there, but you're killing it at 23 to get a great bonus of um, stock share compensation. That's really great. I don't know what type of company you work at. Um, there's a lot of startup companies that offer um, stock options as part of your bonus or part of your review. So this is a really common thing. And, you know, stock options can be great compensation. Think of people who maybe owned stock options in Apple or Facebook or Google. So they worked for these companies and they got, you know, the option to buy shares of the company stock before they went public. Those companies went public, and of course, you know, um, (laughs) they're all very wealthy now, right? I mean, even if you were making, you know, a small salary at one of those companies and you had a lot of stock options that you could um, exercise, you know, you're sitting pretty, very pretty right now. And it doesn't happen for every company, you know, it really is a dime or dozen, but, you know, stock options can be a great way to kind of add to, add to your compensation. They have vesting schedules just like your 401k does, right? So they say that, you know, in a certain amount of years, you have to exercise your rights to, you know, to buy these shares of stock or, you know, that you need to be vested a certain amount of years before you can get full ownership of these. So always make sure that you know your vesting. Even with your 401k, I mean, if you're getting a match on what you're contributing to the 401k, know the vesting schedule, meaning right? Let's say you uh, leave in year three and let's say you have, you know, a four-year vesting schedule. So what that means is the match, a portion of the match that the company has, um, you know, put into your 401k, you're not going to be able to take with you, right? Because you haven't stayed there four years, which is their requirement for full vesting. Now, with that said, you always, always, always take your own money. So whatever money you you put in is yours, right? 
plus a percentage of the money that the company put in because you've been there three years. See how that works? So every 401k, every company is going to have a little bit different vesting schedule. And the reason why it's important to know that and why it's important to know this about stock options and executive stock stock share programs is because, you know, you want to sort of check yourself like, hey, am I really going to be at the company long enough to take advantage of this? Or is this, you know, um, some sort of compensation agreement that maybe is not going to work for me? So the reason why companies do this, obviously, is to provide a reason for you to stay at the company. And, you know, these are benefits that, you know, it's like, hey, if you work really hard, you bust your butt, and we do really well as a company, here is kind of the, you know, small sort of uh, pot of gold at the end. And so it literally is just an incentive. You've probably heard of something called the golden handcuffs, right? Um, And everybody always sort of joked that, you know, 30, 40 years ago when you worked for a company for 30 years, I mean, that's crazy, right? (laughs) I don't think any of us listening to this podcast are going to work for the same company for 30 years. I've already had like, you know, 20 different jobs. Okay, not 20, but I've already had a lot of different careers in my career path. And you're likely going to have the same thing too, right? But, you know, when you, in the quote unquote olden days, I'll say, um, when you worked for a company for a long period of time, then you would retire and you'd get, you know, the gold watch or, you know, whatever sort of uh, plaque or, you know, something sort of amazing to memorialize, um, because it is a memorial, that you worked for the company for that long. Well, we don't have that, right? We change jobs faster than we change wardrobes. That is just the nature of the beast now. And so companies have to come up with all of these ways to keep us working for them, right? Um, Because that's how the company performs. So, um, you know, executive stock purchase programs is a real way to do that. And there's kind of two types. There's something called incentive stock options. And that's where the employee is able to defer taxation until um, the shares of stock are bought when um, an option is sold. I know this is kind of complicated, but I just kind of got to get it out there. Um, And then the other type is called non-qualified stock options. And it's where you as the employee must pay income tax on something called the spread, which is between the value of the stock and the amount paid for the option. So there's lots of different variations, and it just kind of depends on what you're being offered. Um, But really what an executive comp program is, is it provides you, the employee, the right, but not the obligation, to purchase shares of your employer's stock at a certain price for a certain period of time. And they're usually granted at what's called the current market price of the stock. And on par, they normally last for about 10 years. So again, the whole purpose is just to encourage employees to stick around, help the company grow. Um, And, you know, it's, it's a form of compensation. So although it's not necessarily like, hey, you get an extra $20,000 a year, right? It it could potentially be really um, beneficial to you, to your wallet, to your budget um, in the long run, right? So a couple of things to think about, again, is, is are you going to be around the company long enough for these um, stock options to actually matter for you? Right. And another thing you want to kind of pay attention to is, 
Obviously, the stock options become more valuable when the company does better, right? Um, that's really where you want to quote unquote cash in on those, um, the stock compensation, right? Um, but it doesn't always work that way. I mean, I have, I've, uh, worked with people who have executive, you know, uh, stock purchase program from their employer and the stock has been worth worthless for the whole entire time that they've worked there. So, you know, what was sort of rolled out to them is like this amazing, you know, uh, performance bonus, ah, you know, um, firecrackers going off really is, is worthless. Like, you know, at the end of the day, they'd really just have more, they'd like to have more cash in their pocket. So I would say, Killian, you know, you're new to this. Um, it's a great bonus for you to have, you know, pay attention to, um, you know, what your options are, what kind of the terms are for the stock purchase program and also, you know, how the company is doing, right? So all those, um, stock options going up in value, are they not going up in value? And also, I always think it's good to get the pulse of somebody who's been at the company longer than you have, right? Talk to them about, you know, executive stock purchase program, you know, have they exercised, have they not, um, and really kind of gauge from somebody who actually works in the company, their approach to this, right? Um, there's a ton I could say about this, but I, I don't want to get it too weighty. And there's probably, um, you may be listening right now going, I have no idea what in the world she's talking about. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, so hopefully that answered your question, Killian. I'll make sure and give you some more information kind of off a podcast too, um, specific to that. All right. The next question comes from Sarah. She says, I've been a fan since I found out about your podcast. Would you please do a podcast on how to budget for the upcoming holiday? How to balance between not having a strict budget and also not overspending for the holiday season? This is a great question, Sarah, and I'm going to actually do a whole podcast episode next week all about, um, you know, not going broke on the holidays. So I don't want to totally spoil that thunder, but I think the key word really in your question is budget because most of us just start spending around the holidays without really knowing what we can afford, right? And then before you know it, you're looking at your credit card uh, bill and you're like, wait a minute, I spent how much, right? And I know for some of us listening, budget is still this, it is a bad word, right? And there are a lot of months where I don't want to budget. I get really frustrated and feisty and like, I don't want to do this, but I know how powerful it is. And I know what having, um, or how having a plan really helps you stay within the guidelines. And just think about it like this, you know, when you get in your car and let's say we're going from, uh, Los Angeles to, you know, Miami, right? We need a roadmap. We need to know how the heck to get there. We don't just start driving, our GPS, you know, tells us the turns that we need to make. And that really is how I want you to think about a budget, right? It's it's that it is your roadmap and it's telling you where to turn. Now, yes, you can make a wrong turn, but the budget helps you reroute just like your GPS does, right? So that's why it's really important. You know, when you're going on a trip or the holidays are coming up, a wedding, whatever it may be, something different than a normal month is to create an entirely separate budget for that. And um, when I do the podcast episode next week, I'll go into kind of how I approach holiday spending, um, holiday budgeting, and all of that uh, kind of stuff. But one thing I want to say about this too is 
you know, while it's, I mean, we're in November, right? We're, we're getting really close to the holidays. While, why now it might be a little bit too late to start kind of scrambling savings, January actually is the best time to start thinking about holidays. And I know that's crazy. You're like, wait a minute, the holidays just passed. But think about it this way. Like if when we roll into January, you say, okay, ideally I want to have whatever that number is saved by the time I hit, you know, Black Friday next year. So you've got, you know, 11, 12 months to break up your savings into these small little bits that are way more manageable than we're at November now. And oh my gosh, we want to save $500 in two weeks, right? That's where it gets tricky for us to come up you know, we have to like basically pull a rabbit out of the hat to come up with that money and not go into debt. So that's just kind of food for thought. But um, I will be doing a whole episode. And so I hope that you uh, listen to that one, Sarah, as well. All right, Elizabeth says, I just got engaged and my fiance will not, I repeat, will not talk about money at all with me. I think he has some money in collections but I really don't know, and it's it's really frustrating. It kind of scares me to think about getting married without knowing the whole picture. I know you work a lot with couples around money. Is there any advice for how I can approach him or delicately ask about it? This is a tough one, Elizabeth, and I wish I could say that you are in isolation, but you're not. So if you can take any comfort in knowing that this is actually a question I get a lot, and... Um, Probably more than anything when I work with with couples and and kind of bringing your money together, it's more of like a therapy session um, than anything because it is really tough, you know? Um, I just did a podcast on how married married couples, you know, can have more money, but this is tricky. This is like a this is like uncharted territory, right? You're new to this, you're getting married, there's all this excitement about that, but there's like this looming cloud of like, oh crap, we got to figure all of this stuff out, right? Who's going to pay the bills? How much is each person going to pay? Um, do you have debt? I don't know. Do I have debt? I don't know. You know, and you play kind of this like chess game almost. And so I really come back to kind of what I tell every single couple, which is I know it sucks. I know it sucks bigger than anything in the world. But you got to be honest and you got to be able to say to your partner, hey, look, here is my situation. It's not great, but, you know, I need your help. Can you help me fix it? Can we work together? Can we be partners on this? All of that type of language. And for the other partner, you know, for you, Elizabeth, let's say you're in, you're in great financial shape, right? So It scares you, but it also scares your fiance because you're in great financial help. So it's kind of this weird, um, (laughs) it's like this drain pipe, right? You're just going around and around and around and everybody's scared of everything rather than just talking about it and communicating. So I always say communication is, is so critical. Um, I kind of sucked at it, um, when I got married again and I kind of had to relearn how to communicate and I'm not always the best communicator, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, um, that just happens to be an area of weakness for me that I work on all the time. 
But communication is really key when it comes to talking about money. And it doesn't have to be something where you're getting in a fight. It doesn't have to be something where you're frustrated. But I think maybe if you could just really encourage your fiance that it's really important to you that you know you know, each other situations before you get married so that you can come up with a strategy for success, right? Not a strategy to beat each other up, but a strategy for success. Let's, let's do this. Let's win. Let's, let's figure this stuff out. And so sometimes it's just the words that you're saying to your fiance that are going to kind of make or break the situation. And for guys, you know, it's tough because they always want to feel like they've got everything figured out, right? Like they're man of the house and I don't know, whatever whatever it is in your relationship. You, you guys, you get it, right? You should be preaching on this more, more than I am. But, um, you know, the guy wants to feel like he's got it. So as a woman, you got to be really careful about how you approach that. And kind of the softer, gentler approach really works well. And it really... Um, for me, it's just about sitting down and saying, Hey, you know, this is something that's really important to me. Can we just spend some time on it? We don't need to figure everything out. And it's also okay. And you know, I always try to tell you this all the time that any money mistake you might have made in your past, it's okay. It might suck. You might be in debt. I don't know, you might be frustrated, it might be stressful. I I give you all of that, but it's okay. We can come up with a plan to get you out of that situation, no matter what it is. So I don't want you to ever feel hopeless, like you are never going to get out of debt or you're never going to have enough money or maybe you make a lot of money and you just can't figure out how to get out of paycheck to paycheck cycle. It's okay, we can figure it out, right? But it's not going to work if we just keep beating ourselves up about the past. So it really is, Elizabeth, just in the communication. And I would really encourage you to try kind of different approaches and just really keep communicating that it's okay. It doesn't matter. We can figure it out. And also, uh, let's do this together. This This does not have to be a solo sport, right? We're on a team now, so let's play on a team. So I hope that helped you. Um, I know I'm kind of like a run on about marriage and money stuff, but I know it's just like such a charged topic. And I see couples like that um, meet with me personally in person and they come in the room and I swear to you, if you could see their faces, it is literally like somebody dropped a bomb. I mean, they just are like bewildered and they haven't even said one word to me. And so I can instantly tell like how, um, how delicate the situation is. So all I do is just try and talk people off a ledge, right? We can figure this out. We got this. And I just try to bring you together so that you can see that the other person that you're, that you're marrying, that's sitting across from you is actually your ally is actually on the same team as you. And, um, inevitably there's always one person that's better off than the other. Um, that's just, that's just the way this stuff goes, right? But the whole purpose is to get you both working together. All right. Last question is from Rodney. He says, I love all your podcasts about mobile apps. I'm always on my phone. Are there any great apps to help me with investing or start investing? I don't have a ton of money, but you know, maybe a hundred here and a hundred there. 
I do invest in my 401k, but I'd like to do more, learn more, etc. Um, are there any good books that you'd suggest also? So one of my very, very favorite books about investing, and I read this at least once a year, is called One Up on Wall Street. It is... Um, It's like the encyclopedia for investing, and you don't have to be kind of this crazy mathematician or financial guru. It's really written in everyday terms so that you can understand how to pick stocks, how the stock market works. So if you're really interested in learning about that, I highly suggest it's going to be the best um, 10 bucks, 12 bucks. I don't don't even remember how much the book costs now, but you can get on Amazon, one up on Wall Street. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, definitely get that book. It's a good stocking stuffer um, and check it out. So for apps, um, there's a couple that I really like. Um, One is called Acorns and it's um, an app that helps you invest spare change. So um, you link up a bunch of your accounts and it actually rounds up your purchases to the nearest dollar and invests the change, right? Um, you can also dump in lump sums of money if you would like, make you know transfers into your account. Um, but it's a low cost way to invest, and it's all based on your risk tolerance and your goals. But it is based on taking kind of the spare change and investing it. So the idea is, you know, maybe you don't have a thousand dollars, but you have some a little here, a little there, and it all starts adding up. So Ac- Acorns is really good. Uh, Robinhood, I like them as well. They're their mobile app. Um, they're a free trading app for stocks. So if you're into stock investing, please read the book first. Um, and always, this is a disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Always, 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 if you're going to do stock investing, invest with money that it's okay if it goes away. I'm not talking mutual funds and your 401k or your Roth or your IRA right now. I'm talking picking stocks, right? I want you to have an emergency fund And I want it to be money that it's okay if it goes away. Okay, I'm done with my disclaimer. (laughs) I just have to say it. I have to say it. And obviously, you know, these aren't apps, but um, these are great technology companies. Um, Goldbean, um, we've had Jane on the podcast a ton. And Goldbean is all about sweeping your statements and finding the companies that you're spending money at all the time and investing in the companies that you already are familiar with, right? So if if you're, you know, I don't know, you shop at Apple Store and um, I'm just making this up right now, and Gap and things like that, right? It's going to find those stocks and make recommendations based off where you, where you already shop. It's not going to come back at you and say, oh, hey, there's this really awesome um, pipeline stock or gold stock or whatever, whatever it is, right? It's all stuff that you like that you're already doing. Um, you're already shopping. You're already familiar with the company. So why not buy shares in the company? And then Bloom, my friends at Bloom, I love them. They help fix your 401k. So if you're struggling, you got your 401k package and you're like, I have no idea what to pick. Don't pick what your friend's picking. Please, please, please don't do that. Um, use a service like Bloom for a small amount of money each month. They can help you figure out the optimal portfolio for your 401k. So those are just a few, Rodney. Um, There's lots out there. Again, always make sure that you do your research, especially when we're talking about investing and you're putting up money, you know, do your research on any app before, you know, read what other people have said. Um, Because there's just, I mean, there's a, you know, there's so many apps out there right now that 
you could go crazy on it. And so I always want to make sure that you're you're using, especially when we're talking about money, you're using apps that are you know legitimate, good, uh, trustworthy companies. All right. So those were four listener questions. Please send me more questions. I've got a ton more to get to, but um, I thought these were kind of cool, interesting topics to talk about. As always, follow me on Twitter at Shauna Game and Instagram at Millennial underscore Money. Thank you.